if you get home tonight or this afternoon and you talk to someone else maybe in your family who went to Mass today at a different time, and you ask them, hey, you know, what do you think of the Gospel today? You say, well, you know, remind me, it was a powerful Gospel, what was it about? I, one person might say, well, you know, it's that one where Jesus heals the synagogue official's little girl, Talitha Kum, remember that? And he feeds her when she gets up. And they, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that Gospel. And somebody else, though, might answer the same question. Oh, yeah, that's the one where the woman had this, you know, hemorrhage for years and years and years. Remember, and she reaches out and touches Jesus' cloak. That was so powerful. That was such a great gospel. And they'd both be right, but only partially. And I've often thought that the way Mark tells these two healing stories, where he weaves one inside of the other, he gives us sort of a spiritual Rorschach test. Because when you read that, what it is that strikes you, what it is that maybe sticks with you most powerfully, I think says a lot about what we're receiving at that particular time. And I'd just like to hold both of those up as a beautiful little, beautiful little illustration of how to maybe school ourselves in ways of prayer. Because on the one hand, you have the synagogue official, and he has this desire. He has this desire for someone that he loves, obviously, his daughter. And he seeks out Jesus. Jesus is just doing his thing, whatever that was, and this guy tracks him down. Hey, I know about you. I know what you can do or I've heard. I need you to do this for someone that I so deeply love. I need you to come and save my daughter. Every one of us here can relate to that in some form or another. Even right now as we sit here this morning, for some of us it's very serious for others, maybe a little bit less so, but there's someone in our life right now, probably several, for whom if we could just say to Jesus, Lord, if you could just take care of this one thing for this person that I love, would you do it now? We can relate to that synagogue official very well in the gospel. But then, of course, there's this other figure who seeks out Jesus' healing. But notice what a different dynamic it is. Jesus now is the one on the journey. And she, for whatever reason, catches wind that he's coming by. And she doesn't ask him for help. She doesn't seek him out. She doesn't implore him the way the synagogue official does. And say, Jesus, I've, been, I've had this condition for 12 years. I need you to do something about it. Without skipping a beat, she notices that he's passing by. She sees her opportunity. And, of course, she just reaches out. And it's not for someone in her life, it's for herself. And she has no doubt whatsoever. No doubt whatsoever. As Mark tells us, she's thinking, I know that if I do this, I will be healed. Both of those are perfectly fine prayers. Obviously, they lead to healing, physical healing in the gospel. But even if this wasn't about a physical healing, they're perfectly fine ways of imploring Jesus. And yet there is a significant distinction. And I just want to make sure we don't lose in all the bells and whistles of the miracle healing. I want to make sure we don't lose that powerful lesson that the woman with the hemorrhage teaches us. Because I do know some people, and maybe not you, but I do definitely know some people, and I know myself for a long time. I'd be a little gun-shy about praying like this woman with the hemorrhage. You know, maybe I'd only get around to praying for myself after I'd gotten through a list of, of everyone else. 
And is it really okay to just focus on myself so singularly the way this woman did? And is it okay to almost have an expectation of Jesus? Okay, Lord, I'm here, I'm doing this, I know you're going to come through. There's no negotiating here. The synagogue official, it's, Lord, can you please come and help? There's a little bit of wiggle room there. Maybe he'll say no, maybe he won't be able to help. This woman ain't asking. And she grabs on and she knows in her heart. Now, these miracle stories are powerful, wonderful. Miracles still happen today. You know, we should have no doubt about that. The church confirms them from time to time. But I always think there's a little bit of a danger. A little bit of the danger is because it is so extraordinary. This little girl rises seemingly from the dead. This woman, this horrible condition for 12 years is healed. To simply fixate on that physical healing and to lose sight of the dynamic of the prayer which leads to it. Because we've got to remember, they live on their side of Easter. So when they see Jesus, what they see, now we may know otherwise, but what they see is the man, the guy, Jesus from Nazareth, a human being, flesh and blood. So if he's going to help them, they need to have him right there. The synagogue official needs to say, hey, Jesus, whatever else you were doing today, you've got to come with me. Adjust your plans. Peter and John, they'll get that fairway time next week. Let's go. You've got to come to me, to my daughter, and see her or pray over her or touch her or whatever it's going to be. And for that woman with the hemorrhage, she needs to access the guy, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who is passing by. If she doesn't reach out then, she may not get the chance ever again. And if she can't touch him, if she can't grab his cloak at that moment, then that moment will be gone. And we can understand why they would say that, because the resurrection changes everything. It's not just some extraordinary thing about Jesus and, oh yeah, gosh, Jesus was the Son of God. The reason that happens is for us, and it transforms our world. And I know it can be hard to really see that in a pragmatic sense, to realize that that looks like something. Because if you're like me, a lot of times I'm thinking like the synagogue official. I'm thinking like, Jesus, please do this, please do this for someone that I love. I hope you come through. And I'm not necessarily thinking like the woman with the hemorrhage. I know, Lord, you are close. But I still think like her a little bit. I need you to be passing by or I need to be in the church, or I need to have the Blessed Sacrament in my hand, and I need all of those things. Please don't misunderstand me. But it's not as if, unless I'm holding him in my hand, I don't have him. The resurrection changes everything. And what the synagogue official longed for, what the woman with the hemorrhage longed for, and realize they only had that precious moment to take advantage of. We've got every moment of our lives. And because we live on our side of the resurrection, the healing doesn't have to be physical. Of course, that's what we desire. Of course, it's okay to pray for that. But even in Jesus' day, far more lame people never walked than did. Far more people were never miraculously healed by Jesus than were miraculously healed. 
After the resurrection, we all have access to an extraordinary power of healing. So how do we access it? What's our version of, I just reach out and grab his cloak? Well, really, it's to simply embrace and live out the way he challenged us and invited us to live. To love one another as I have loved you, we know all this language. To love self-sacrificially, not just because that's a good thing, and maybe it makes the world a little bit better place, though that's a fine motivation, but because in loving that way, we really are accessing that healing power that the resurrection brings, but we're never going to know it unless we do it. And I think we all know in this room, we've had those moments in our lives. What if I did live with that kind of extraordinary call to forgiveness? What if I did somehow seek out God's presence in the other? What if I reached out to that person who's never given me the time of day? And always there's the fear. Well, if you try it, you might fail. If you try it, they might react badly. Well, that's like the woman with the hemorrhage saying, if Jesus passes by now, I'll never have the chance again. Human nature, that makes good sense. In the transformed post-resurrection nature, it means nothing. And so just a little spiritual exercise as we go into this 13th week of ordinary time to maybe take advantage of that transformed world and to don't be afraid to have great expectations like the woman with the hemorrhage. Lord, I know. I know that if I embrace the poverty you called me to embrace, I know that if I turn the other cheek, whatever that looks like for you, I know that if I extend myself to another, I know that if I make choices that the rest of the world says, this is crazy and foolish, take care of yourself first. I know that if I do all of that, then what I deeply desire really can be mine. That doesn't necessarily change the laws of nature. It doesn't necessarily bring a physical healing. But what these gospels and the resurrection are all about tells us the truth that that doesn't have to happen. The healing is real and it's always accessible.